And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Our text, Revelation chapter 17, I won't be long tonight. I did say I was going to crawl through Revelation chapter 17 and 18 because these are two, I will say, not challenging but interesting chapters. They deal primarily Revelation chapter 17, we'll read verse 1 to 5. Amen? These two chapters deal primarily with who the harlot is mentioned and who the Antichrist is. So, two important chapters and a good understanding of these chapters will really help us understand the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, chapter 17 verse 1 reads, John is speaking, he said, There came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me come hither i will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters again as i said this chapter is about the great whore god is giving us a close look as who exact as to whom exactly this this idiomatic expression is referring to verse 2 tells us with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication strong words against god again let me say that god is referring here to uh, spiritual and faithfulness amen when he used the word fornication in some translations the word used here is adultery and is referring to uh spiritual and faithfulness when one is not spiritually devoted to god but to every other religion jesus said i am in john 14 6 i am the way the definite article the truth the life he said is the only way to god the father well others seem to think there are other ways and so god is saying that departure from me to do your own thing is what I refer as to as adultery and fornication. Amen. Let's go to verse 3. Verse 3 reads, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Can you? There is more to verse 3, I think. Yeah. A scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads and ten horns. We said that's, that expression came from Revelation chapter 13 verse 1. Verse 4. And the woman was arrayed. She was dressed in purple and scarlet color. There is a particular denomination that has used these, that in particular used these colors. And we'll discuss it a little later. And decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations, and here, here it comes again, and filthiness of her fornication. Strong words. Verse 5. And upon her forehead, she had a title, Mystery Babylon, the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Amen? And so... As I said last week, I want to apologize. These are strong words. Whore, harlotry. Amen. And I want, to, I want to say for those of you looking, for those of you who are here, <laughs> you know, I, I apologize for, you know, 
You can apologize for God, but it's a strong word. And if you're offended, my apologies. But it tells you how God feels about spiritual and faithfulness. It's an apt description to explain how God feels about departing from him. Amen. God is a lover by nature. I think it's First John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, God is love. It says, beloved, let's love for God is love. Twice it says God is love. And I think it's in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, we are told God is not only love. He said he's a jealous lover. He said, my name is jealous. So this is a jealous God expressing the way he feels about spiritual unfaithfulness. He calls it adultery and he calls the other religions who depart from him whores. Are you with me? It's a, it's from a, he's, it's, he's passionate about it. Very disappointed, very hurt. Amen? And so that's why he used these words here. So no offense at all. Just wanted to, to make, to make you, to let you understand exactly why God used that. Now last week, what I did, I said the book of Revelation is typically is about two women. We looked at two women. We looked at the woman mentioned here, and we looked at another woman mentioned in Revelation chapter 21. And we contrasted these two to give us a better understanding as to what, which woman Revelation chapter 17 is referring to. Amen. We said these, the, the, the woman referred in Revelation chapter 17 and the woman referred in Revelation chapter 21 are two different women. One is called the bride of Christ. The woman here is called Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. Two different women. And, uh, and so to understand exactly what, how God feels and what Revelation 17.5 is referring to, let me say just by review, I said it last week, but just want to review because apparently I had a lot of questions and people asked to explain certain things. I will explain especially the latter part of last week, but I do want to address just a few things before I do that. Amen. We see the bride of Christ last week. We said Revelation chapter 21 was referring to the bride of Christ. It's a people, a Christians. It is a heavenly Jerusalem. Um, Revelation 21 is referring to a people, Christians, and a place. Revelation chapter 17 verse 5 is referring to a city. Is referring to a people. The Bible calls them earth dwellers, and we'll look at the verses in a while. And of course, a system to which they subscribe. So both particular verses are referring to two different group of people uh, who are in a particular city influenced by two different systems. One system is Christianity, the bride of Christ. The other system is religion. There is a fundamental difference between religion and Christianity. I know oftentimes Christians are referred to as religious people, but we are not. Because you will see in a while religion is man's way to get to God. Christianity is God coming down to, to rescue human beings. Religion is saying, I don't want God's way. I don't want God to send me anybody. I'll come up with my own way to get to God. So I'll go through all these different avenues and they allow themselves to be distracted by the devil to investigate so many ideologies and concepts which is just unnecessary. So Revelation chapter 21 
Praise God. Revelation chapter 21, which is referring to the bride of Christ. I'm just reviewing from what we said last week. Verse 20, Revelation chapter 21, verse 9 to 11 reads, and again, this is referring to the bride of Christ. I'm contrasting this chapter with Revelation chapter 17 to give us a better understanding. Amen. Revelation 21 verse 9 reads, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. The bride, the lamb's wife. Here in Revelation chapter 17, John is saying, the angel told him, Come, I'll show you the great whore who has to be judged. An angel is telling John, another angel in Revelation chapter 21, Come, I'll show you the bride of Christ. Two different women. Are you with me, saints? Good. He says here in verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the bride, we are told here is a city, the holy Jerusalem descending from heaven from God. Amen. We, we also told, can you jump over to Revelation chapter 21? We just see, we just saw one aspect of the bride of Christ. Let's look at another aspect. Verse 24. Revelation 21, 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. The light of the city. Can you go to verse 24? Revelation 21, 24. It says, we just saw, we are just told that the bride of Christ was a city coming down. Isn't that so? Here we are told in that city, the nations of them which are saved. Can somebody say this is us? Us. So not only is the bride of Christ a city, it is also a people. Amen. Walk in it, that is in the light of it, and the kings of the earth uh, uh, will bring glory and honor and so on and so forth. So we see in Revelation chapter 21, this is a different woman from Revelation chapter 17. Now let us look at what the Bible says about the woman in Revelation chapter 17. We are told that that particular woman, she, uh, 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 we are told that she sits, she sits, uh-huh, with whom the kings of the world have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of a fornication. Can you go to verse 3? Verse 3 tells us, there is which verse that talks about sitteth upon the waters? Is it verse 1 or verse 2? Revelation 17. 3? Revelation 17. Things verse 2. One of the verses said, Revelation 17, verse 1, 2, 3, or 5, it says, she sits upon the waters. Verse 1? Can you go to verse 1, please? Verse 1. So we are told, yes. So right here. So in Revelation, don't just stay right there. In Revelation chapter 21, and I don't want us to be confused. Amen. I want us to, what I'm doing, I'm contrasting Revelation chapter 17 with Revelation chapter 21. Because to understand exactly, these are two different groups of people. Amen. We just looked at Revelation chapter 21. We see it's talking about the bride of Christ. Here in Revelation chapter 17, we see it's a totally different woman. And we are told that the angel said, when uh, John said, when the angel took me in the spirit, he said to me, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Well, right here, the verse many waters is explained to us who many waters uh, referring to can you go to verse 15 of revelation chapter 17 verse 15 and he saith unto me the waters which thou sowest were the whore and again i'm sorry about uh, the, 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 that word uh, seateth the waters are whom people's 
and multitudes and nations and tongues. So he's saying, now we've identified already, since I want you to keep that in mind. Last week we said two different women. The whore in Revelation chapter 17 and the bride of Christ in Revelation chapter 21. We said the Bible gives us different aspects as, as to who these expressions are. This, the bride of Christ was explained to us as a city and the people and the system which is Christianity. We are told here that the whore is a people right here. We are told they are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So we have a religious system in influencing a people. The Bible calls them earth dwellers. And the, and the place here is called Babylon. Are you with me? Unlike the city of Christ. So the great whore that will be judged is not an actual prostitute. I want you to see that. In, amen. These are idiomatic expressions. And these are not words we use in church. But anyway, it's in the Bible. So, amen. Can you give us some grace to use them? Praise the Lord. The word whore is a metaphor for false religion. We established that last week. I just want to mention that. The Bible calls false religion a, a whore. I know many of you are afraid to say the word. Amen. Spiritual defection, idolatry, religious apostasy. That's what the Bible referred to as a harlot. Amen. Now, what is religion? I said religion earlier. Religion is man's effort. That is why the Bible calls the religious system of the world a harlot. Because it is man's effort, human's effort to know God, to understand God, to define God. Man's prescription, prescribed ideas as to how to get to God. However, scripture reflects the opposite. What we see is not man designing a path to get to God in the Bible, but it is God coming down to man. And when I say man, I'm referring to human beings in the form of whom? Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus Christ. It is God revealing himself to human beings in the form of Jesus Christ because the Bible says our righteousness, our righteousness are as what? Filthy rags. So that is why you and I cannot come up with our own way to get to God. God calls it a religious system. And again, the word used in the Bible for that effort is called whoredom. Amen? Now, the Bible did tell us in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, Isaiah 64 verse 6, we are all as an, an unclean thing. An unclean thing is referring to as a leper who is ceremonially unclean. Amen? And all our righteousness, you know we have righteousness. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. And all our righteousness, that is our best deeds of rightness and justice. All my best deeds, all your best deeds of righteousness, of rightness and justice. The Bible calls it what? Filthy rags. And a filthy rag is a polluted garment. Think of a, a garment you used to wipe a garage. When you're done with that rag, it's called a... Filthy rag, because by the time you don't clean the garage, it'll be filthy, polluted, so to speak. So the Bible is equating our effort to get to God as filthy rags. And that's what you see happening here. When the church is raptured and go to heaven, you would think people would say, wow, these people were serious. Christianity is for real. Let us come together and really begin to serve God. No, people are going to come together now and design 
their own way to get to God and that's how they're going to persecute Christians. Mm? Those who decide, I made a mistake. I missed the first flight, but I'm not missing the second flight. I'm not missing going into the millennial reign. These people will be persecuted. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I always say, let us ensure that we make the first flight. Amen. Now, the idea of idolatry is used to communicate, as I said, spiritual unfaithfulness. Amen. One of the titles given to the woman in Revelation chapter 17. I think I said that too fast. The idea of adultery, not idolatry, adultery in the Bible. Anytime the Bible refers, use the words adultery in referring to God and humans. It's referring to spiritual unfaithfulness. Amen. So God is using an earthly behavior to tell us how he feels when we defect from him spiritually. Amen. Let's look at a scripture verse just to confirm what I'm saying. God used that word a lot when he referred to um, when Israel departed from him, defected from him. He used that word a lot. Let us see. Let's go to Hosea chapter 1 verse 2. Can you go to Hosea chapter 1 verse 2? And let's see what God is referring to. Amen. You remember God told Hosea. You remember what he said to Hosea? He said, go marry whom? Let's read verse, verse 2. Hosea 1. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go take unto thee a wife of whom? Whoredoms. And children of whom? Whoredoms. That word here is adultery. In some translations, God told the prophet Hosea, I need you to show Israel the way I feel about their behavior when they defect, when they choose other gods beside me. I want you to show them how I feel. I'm hurting and I need them to know how I hurt. So he's going to use the preacher as an example as to how he feels. Thank God for the New Testament. Amen. New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> oh blessed be the name of the lord can you imagine now god using preachers to explain how he feels no no thank god for the better covenant the bible says in hebrews 8 verse 6 we have a better covenant <laughs> based on better promises thank god for the new covenant amen glory be to god so that's what he told hosea and the lord said to him go take of thee a wife for the land hath committed great what and here is the problem with spiritual unfaithfulness was the last verse departing from the lord that's what hurts god when there is a departure from him when there is a departure from of devotion from him god is saying your devotion my devotion is only for him and when we give it to another so-called deity there is no other deity just demons you know that all the Greek gods are just demons. The figment of human beings' imaginations. I know some people may disagree with me, but I was in school and I did Greek mythology. <laughs> I was in the class just sitting saying, what's going on? We know just, just, just a cesspool of confusion, so to speak. Just, I got to do it so I can get a grade, but I know there's nothing in there for me to learn. Just a distraction. Zeus, who's Zeus? Anyhow. So, I wanted to show you how God used this word. Let, let me show you one more scripture before we move further. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 6 to it. I want to show you how God used this word. Amen. In the Old Testament. So you'll understand exactly the way he feels when there is defection. God wants only. He wants our devotion to him. He wants us joined only to him. Like a husband and a wife is joined. Amen. You know that a prostitute has no devotion. 
And I hate to use that word, but it's in the Bible. Amen? No devotion. Praise the Lord. And that's just the way it is. We are not criticizing anybody. That's the way it is. Praise God. And so the Bible says this to Jeremiah, verse 3, 6 to it. He says, the Lord said unto me, Jeremiah, in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen that which backsliding, he called Israel backsliding, Israel hath done? She's gone upon every high mountain and under every green tree and they have played what? This is God speaking. You would think it's somebody else speaking. No, this is God. Verse 7 says, and I said, after she had done all these things, God said to her, turn thou unto me. But she returned not. She said, I like doing my halotry. In other words, she said, I like serving other gods. Hmm? What else? And, and, and what? And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. He's referring to the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes. Sorry, Jeremiah chapter 3. No, 6. Jeremiah chapter 3 from verse 6. I'm sorry about that. I may have to do it over again. Let's do it then. Jeremiah chapter 3. <laughs> You got it? Okay, let's, let's start over again. The Lord said unto me, in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen that which backsliding Israel have done? She's gone up, up on every high mountain, under every green tree, and they have played the harlot. Verse 7, and I said unto her, after she done all these things, come, turn to me, I'm going to forgive you. But she returned not, she said, mm -mm, I'm not coming. And he said, her treacherous sister Judah, referring to the two tribes in the south, saw it. And I saw, when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her what? A bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. This is God speaking. God is referring to spiritual unfaithfulness. In the last days, in the tribulation, when the church is raptured, there's going to be religion. God called that religion because religion embraces every God. There is no single devotion to God. Jesus is not Lord to them. And God has a problem with that. Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am whom? The way. Buddha didn't say that. Confucius didn't say that. Uh, who else? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am whom? You got to see that scripture verse. Can you go to John 14, 6? Because, we, you know, you know we're, we're coming in these last days where people think, you know, they can. It says, no man cometh unto the Father, but by whom? Yes. And the world needs to know that. It is only, you can only get to the Father by Jesus. No other way. Amen. Now, there is a title used in the Bible for in Revelation chapter 17, verse 5. Can you go to verse 5? I want to deal with that quickly. There is a verse used here, a title used for religion. God doesn't like religion. It is man's effort, man's way to get to him. There is nothing as doing penance. I'm getting ahead of myself. When the thief was on the cross and he asked, he said, Lord, remember me. Jesus said to him, no, you got to do penance. Jesus said, you got to, you got to, you got to go on, you got to, you got to crawl on um on broken glass and get your hands all cut up and blood there are religions who say you have to do penance i'm not calling the name as yet we will deal with that later but jesus didn't say that it is not by works of our righteousness mm, that we 
embrace Christian that um, eternal life. It's by what Jesus did. Amen. So there is a title used here for her. You got it? And upon her forehead, here is the title. Was a name written? Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. In other words, every false religion came from mystery Babylon. And it is good to have an Old Testament understanding of Babylon to understand what God is referring to here. Since I guarantee you, if many of us have a good understanding of the Old Testament root of these words, we would live our Christian lives with more precaution. I believe biblical, I hate to say it, but uh, biblical what? Is pervading the church. Uh, the term slept me. Uh, yeah, the term slept me. You see, I'm, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. Biblical illiteracy is pervading the church. That's what, that, that's what the problem is. And because of that, we make provisions and excuses and uh, allowances for things we shouldn't do. Things that hurt God because we are not spiritually astute. Let's get some history behind Babylon. Is that all right? Uh, you know, the term Babylon goes all the way back to Noah. Last week I made mention of that and quite a few people said to me, Pastor, can you go over it again quickly? The roots of Babylon starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 9. You remember Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Noah had just left the ark with three sons. The sons, they were, can you go to Genesis chapter 9, verse 1? Let's just walk all the way through. Hmm? So I'm saying I'm going to trace Babylon back to the Old Testament and see why it has been prominent in the Bible, but not in a positive way, in a negative way. Amen? And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be what? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That is God's command. It doesn't matter what religion says or does. God told Noah. He blessed them and he said, When you leave the ark, I need you to what? Be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. Go out. Not one particular spot. That's the command. Go out. Move out. Can you say move out? Move out. You've been blessed to move out. You've been blessed to multiply. You've been blessed to what? Replenish the earth. You've been blessed to be fruitful. Move out. Amen. Hold your question. We'll get it later. Praise the Lord. And so Noah and his three sons were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You remember them? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Don't you forget that. Can you go to Genesis chapter 9? Let's go first. Let's jump down to verse 18 and you'll see the three sons of Noah. Verse 18. It says, And the sons of Noah that went out of the ark were whom? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Praise the Lord. So we see here. And God, He blessed them. You know whom God blessed? No man can curse. Anybody here blessed? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Noah. Decided to plant a vineyard. You remember that? He planted a vineyard. He harvested the grapes. He allowed the grapes to stay in the sunshine, in the sunlight. That's why it's good to put your grape juice in the refrigerator. <laughs> Don't leave it out in the sunlight. <laughs> it turns into alcohol. So Noah had himself <laughs> a drink. 
And he, amen. It's not, it is not his children's fault. You need to take responsibility for your carelessness. Now I want you to, but not the history itself. Because God tells the good, the bad, and the ugly. God has nothing to hide. The Bible says the written word of God is inspired. Not the doing of the people that's written about that's inspired. Are you with me, saints? Good. So, the Bible says here, And no went forth of the ark, of the ark, sorry, and um, was drunken, and he was uncovered within a tent. Whose fault is that? Verse 23 reads, And Shem and Japheth took a garment, sorry, verse 22. I'm moving too fast because I saw the time. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers without. Amen. Ham, friendly. Maybe he was the youngest. He was immature. Amen. He went and he told his brothers, hey, dad in there. And he may make a joke about it. We are not sure. His two brothers came and took. Let's read the account. Let me, let's read the account. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backward and covered the father's nakedness. And their faces were backward. They saw not their father's nakedness. Verse 24. And Noah woke up from his wine. Amen. I would, I would take water and wake him up. Because he's a father. And you got you to act like a father. Well, let me move on here. Well, maybe he was, you saw people died. Maybe that's what happened. You know, you saw people die. You couldn't open the act and you're hearing people saying, Noah, Noah. And he's trying to open the door of the ark, but God locked the door. So you hear, he's hearing all these, he's hearing all these people in his ears and he's just drinking. Just stressed out. I'm making, I'm making an excuse for Noah's drunkenness in case you didn't understand what I'm saying. Now I'll tell you something. While I'm saying that, be very careful. That's how alcohol gets you. When you're stressed, you start drinking. <laughs> I discourage the consumption of any type of alcohol. The Bible did say that. The Bible did say, uh, tell the deacons, do not overdo it. The Old Testament. When you come before me in the ark, when you come before me, sorry, in the holy of the holies, don't come before me with your mouth smelling of alcohol. I'll take you out. So Noah, we are told Noah is what? He awoke, verse 24, from his wine and knew that his younger son had, they told him what his younger son did. And Noah said, cursed be Canaan. Mm -hmm. I'm using the scriptures because last week I said that. I didn't use the scriptures and a lot of people asked me to get the scripture. Notice what Noah did. He did not curse Ham. Ham was his son. He cursed Ham's grandson. Because he couldn't curse him because him was blessed. We are just told that God blessed him, Japheth, and whom? Shem. God blessed them. You cannot bless. You cannot curse whom God blessed. So he knew he couldn't curse him. So he cursed his grandson. What a father. What an example for a father. Instead of taking responsibility and saying, look, I messed up. You know, it was my fault. Amen. And forgive your son. The best you could do is get up naked and curse your grandson. You th I don't know. How, I don't know how some people read and, and, and don't and, and don't see. I mean, it breaks my heart for a grown man to do that. And because you couldn't reverse the curse back then, he he destroyed the young boy's life. But not under the New Testament. Under the New Testament, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. That's what I was saying last week. Because you can bless yourself. Nobody can curse you. No witch. No spell. 
Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> I think you get excited. Now, some Christians still think that a spell, a voodoo, poodoo, can work on them. And if you believe, it might work on you. Because the Bible says, whatsoever things, anyhow. If you believe it, that, that's the problem. You, if you, but the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from what? The curse of the law. Being made what? A curse for us. That, you, you see, that was not Old Testament. Old Testament, that, that couldn't happen. That's why we have a better covenant. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Didn't Jesus hung on a tree? Yes, he took the curse for us. So Christians cannot be cursed. Verse 14, let us see why. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile through Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. Thank God for this new covenant. Proverbs 26.2. Proverbs 26.2. Let's look at Proverbs 26.2. It says here that the curse causeless shall not come. People cannot hurt you. Except if you allow them to. Proverbs 26 verse 2. And, and that's what I wanted to. I want you to give you the verses because I didn't give the verses last week. It says as the bird by wandering. As the swallow by flying. So the curse. The curse what? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life lord i give you and no weapon formed against me oh blessed be the name of the lord the bible says in, in psalms chapter 91 a thousand of the enemy wiles may fall on my left and ten thousand on my right but it shall not come that's the word isn't that a blessing it happened to canaan because they did not have, they, they were not under the new covenant. Old covenant, anything goes through. Praise God. That's why we have a better covenant. Now, I did say last week, though, that um, we said religion is man's way of getting to God. And I went back and I said, let's go further back and see how a human being tried to get to God their own way. And let's go to Adam. That's what I said. Somebody asked about that. And um, I just mentioned it quickly. I didn't give the scripture. Let's go back to Genesis chapter, if you can. Genesis chapter 3. Amen. Religion can be traced back to, 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 to Adam. The Bible says when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? Verse 7 tells us what? Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sowed what? Fig leaves together and made themselves apron. Man trying to cover himself again. Man doing his own thing. What did God do? Let's see what God did. Let's see whether or not God allowed Adam and Eve to use the aprons. Let's go to verse 21. Verse 21 quickly. You got it? It says, unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God made what? Coats of skin and clothe them. God said, get, God said, the way to cover yourself is not your way. The way to cover yourself is my way. It is by the shedding of blood. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. Can you go to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22? It can go all the way back to Genesis. So I didn't have the scriptures last week. I was rushing. Amen. You got it? Genesis chapter, sorry, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. It says, and almost all things are by the law purged with what? Blood. And without shedding of blood, 
And that's what God was telling Adam. You don't cover yourself. I have my own way. Your way of covering yourself is religion. My way of covering you is Christianity. And so God is telling us in this last days. And since I'm, 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 I'm telling you this because we got to be so careful departing from from god defecting from god god takes it very serious especially when religion merges with tradition lord when religion and tradition merges what you have is a cesspool of confusion that's one way and you got to tell people this is the way and I'm not going to defect from God. I'm going to stay with God. Because if I believe you, we both will be wrong. Well, some of you don't convinced. If I believe you, we both will be wrong. I'm going to stop here tonight. Because, <laughs> glory be to Jesus. I have other material I want to start. At the harlot God is referring to is religion. Man's way to get to him. And since it is a lesson to us. And that is why God... That's why it seems like God is quiet. He's not quiet. God is trusting you and I to do things his way. He's trusting us to be obedient. God could talk from heaven, do not, don't do that. No. Stop it. <laughs> but he wrote a book, a Bible. And his, God is rooting for us. That will read the Old Testament. And see their mistakes. And don't replicate their errors. But unfortunately it seems like. We are doing the very same thing. Unfortunately, be very careful with religion. Amen. Serve God with purity of heart. Serve God with purity of heart. Always stay on God's side. It doesn't matter who doesn't want to stay. Still, that the religious system in the last days. Can you go back to um, Revelation chapter 17? There is a verse that talks about she has, she's drunk. The religious system of the day is drunk on the blood of the saints. Is it verse 3, verse 4? She has a golden cup in her hands. Verse 4. Can you, yeah. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. And decked with gold and precious stones. And, she, and this is a religion. And filthiness of a fornication. Can you continue? There is a colon. And upon her head, there is a part that talks about the blood of the saints. Is it verse 6? Verse 6. Can you go to verse 6? And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. During the tribulation, Christians will be murdered by that religious system. That's what the Bible is telling us. That is why it's good to go on the first flight. The first flight is called the rapture. Because what's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to merge with uh, his sidekick, the false prophet, bringing religion. And anybody who doesn't accept what they do, their way to God. Then they're going to be dead. He's going to bring in the guillotine, the electric chair. I mean, just everything. Just to terrorize people to take the mark of the beast. And if you take the mark of the beast, you're out of heaven. Let's make the first flight. How many of you do this? Let's make the first flight. Amen. <laughs> Let's leave religion alone and make the first flight. Is that all right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. I'm going to stop here. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word will not return void. And Father, those who are listening, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. That you'll touch hearts. If anybody listening, they are not saved. If you're not saved, pray this prayer with me. Praise God. Pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to take away my sin. I could not take away my sin, but he did. And for that, 
I thank you, Lord Jesus. I make you my Lord tonight in Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, send us some information. IOGMTally at gmail. IOGMTally at gmail.com. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Peace. Nothing missing. Nothing lacking. Nothing broken. Say peace in my house. Peace on my job. Peace in my heart. Peace everywhere I go. I'm a carrier of peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please take time to meditate on the word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m. and the morning service begins at 11. And the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com, or call the church, 850-408-8496.